Black mm-hmm. Chiclet. I'm Danny. And I'm Molly. And we've got, I'm really looking forward to this discussion. I am. Mm-hmm. Danny has been um, texting and DMing me and she has a lot of thoughts that I am interested to hear because I was like, save it for the podcast. I want your, your unfiltered thoughts. Anytime I'm reading a book I don't like, I'm like, I'm mad while I'm reading it, but I'm really excited for, for when we record. Because I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I don't like the experience of reading it, but discussing it with you is going to be like, that's why that's why that's why Urban Lit is one of my favorite months. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, before we get into just to set up, we read The Other Black Girl this episode mm-hmm. by Zakia Delilah Harris. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into that. Before, though, I just want to touch. I'm not even going to get into it. I just want to say. R.I.P. to the RWA. I think it's about time that it just gets put down and we all just move on. So I don't, if you have not been following the latest, they had their inaugural new awards, the Vivians, and one of the top winners, one of the winners of the um, top awards was a book where the hero, in quotes, was part of a genocidal massacre. Mm. (laughs) It's right. I'm not laughing at the situation. I'm laughing because how? It see it seems like it would have been easy to avoid. Well, and it's not like apparently people are like people warned them about it in April when the shortlist or the finalist list was announced. Hmm. And they're like, "Hey, that book is kind of effed up." And I guess they just put hmm. their fingers in their ears and kept going. Like hmm. I have I don't I don't care about RWA that much as an organization anymore, but I genuinely want to know I would generally read a whole, like, expose about how this organization is run. Like an oral yes. history of the downfall. Like, how this organization is ran, what it's like, because just at this point, that badly. And then you didn't see the statements, I presume. No. Oh, they were bad. Like, one of them straight up said that, because um, this one in, like, the inspirational category, they're like, that part of that... One of the genre conventions of this book is that the character has to be redeemed um, and they have to be redeemed and whether like the different things they have to be redeemed from. And the phrase crimes against humanity was mentioned. Wait. Oh, I'm not doing it justice here. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. And I know we didn't want to get into this. I know we said that, but I need you. (laughs) I mean, you can't just drop that and be like, so anyway. (laughs) That's why I'm doing. I was like, let me find this statement. So they were these two statements. This is a direct quote from this statement. Mm-hmm. Romance with religious or spiritual elements as a subgenre of romance requires a redemptive arc as a genre convention. Essentially, the character can't be redeemed by human means. Only through their spiritual slash religious awakening can they find redemption for their moral failings and or crimes against humanity. <laughs> According to its genre conventions, the book in question finaled and run for this category. <sighs> I mean, when you're writing a statement and you include the phrase crimes against humanity, you need to stop. Yeah. yeah I, and I mean, there's a lot to unpack in that. Like who, who came up with that description? I don't know. So this statement is from Laquette the president, mm-hmm. current president of the Romance Writers of America. Mm-hmm. 
And so it was not very well received. They followed it up with another one where they claimed they found out the winners of the award categories the same time as everyone else. How, Sway? <laughs> it's their award. So. I just, I'm trying to wrap my head around, like, me. Like, if I'm saying, well, it's religious because my God forgives you know, murders of heathens. Right. So it's cool. Like, I'm trying to wrap my head around, like, I didn't even know, like, inspirational was religious, and then to put the, um, the, that Crimes Against Humanity <laughs> piece in there is just such a, such a turn. You yeah, know what I mean? It just slaps That's you in the face. Yeah. It just slaps you in the face, yeah. Like, I mean, I could get, like, it's like, oh, I did drugs, or right. I, um... I was me. I was a mean girl or something. But I was a murder I, mama, and I was <laughs> targeted anybody regardless of their background. I was not. I wasn't out here doing hate crimes. Uh, and you know what? Because I'm not Jesus. I'm not God. I can't say who's gonna be forgiven. You know, that's right. not for me. So I don't know that it needs to be. Like maybe those are the conventions of the book but I don't know why you have to go like shoot straight past all those other things of the list right to crimes against humanity there, there's so many other lesser evils we could have just shot he could have just I don't know maybe I don't know he could have been a thief who stole shit he could have been a deserter he could like yeah he could have just been, there's I, jaywalked <laughs> like so, a lot of things I just again I want to know how this organization organization is run because they released that statement and then they followed it up with the with one that was just from the board. There was no name attached to the second one where they claimed mm-hmm. where they claimed they found out the winners the same time as everyone else. Like I want to know like how are these decisions being made? And then apparently they held a members only town hall and they asked for if there was anybody who could help them with uh, PR assistance. They were looking for volunteers. <laughs> Like, this sounds like a sitcom at this point. Like, this is a pilot. Like, there's a epi- there's a series in here of, like, some nonprofit mm-hmm. organization that's just be- getting by, and it keeps mm-hmm. doing faux pas after faux pas after faux pas, and now it's down. Mm-hmm. Now s- some guy's got to, somebody's got to come in and save it. I mean, I think this is almost like that Sandra O oh Netflix series that's coming. The, the, is it The Class? Or Class? Oh, I don't know that. Oh, she's, um, she's, it's a series where she's the chair of this English department that's been racked by some kind of scandal. Hmm. And, like, she has to come and, like, get things back in order. Mm. Uh-oh, don't take that job, Sandra. <laughs> that's what she says in the trailer. She's like, I feel like they gave this job to a woman because they wanted a woman to be holding it when it exploded or something like that. I am clearly yeah. not a television writer. <laughs> but, yeah, hmm. but it's just, it's, it's not funny, but it's, it's comical at this point. Like, how? Yeah, it's like, how did we? get here you're still this out of touch like what is going on so i don't care about the rwa i just i just i just i want to know you just had to touch on it i did have to touch on it it because it's so wild and and oh to be a fly on the wall of that virtual room well you dear listener can always go back what was that last year two years ago oh it was it was last year because the big blow up happened Christmas 2019 Mm. and so we did an episode about it and so that was the big blow up so 
at this point. And then there was a discussion, and you would be really, like, I was in listening to a live chat today, and they were comparing, like, these these awards don't mean anything. They're not like the Hugos or the mm-hmm. Nebulas. Like, those, like, I feel like if I see a book that has Hugo, Hugo mm-hmm. winning award book on it, I feel like mm-hmm. that has some weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we did talk about that, like, what, what effect it really had. Because I was like, I don't know, just get rid of it. <laughs> you were, you were like, and I think we're all there now. It's like, yeah, <laughs> we, it was a nice, what's that Mo quote? It was a nice secret club we had once. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's enough of that. I just, <laughs> it's just, just wanted to put it out there. Yeah, it's just wild. It's just, again, I just want to know, what are y'all doing? Like the statements alone. <laughs> great and then people kept using hashtag rwa which is also rwanda's hashtag during the olympics <laughs> so sometimes people's tweet tweets had a little rwandan flag in it. and you know like could you imagine following that and being like what the fuck is happening be like wait what so i love like sometimes i hate twitter but sometimes like man you're great yeah Honestly, this seems like a really it's, great time to shift to. Yeah. To black Twitter and how present it was in this book and how much I hated it. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was. Well, let's let's. Where do you want to start? You want to start with the background of the book? Yeah. Let's let's okay. set ourselves up. Okay. Okay. So that was it. That was our news. We we don't have any other news because it's it's just too hot out here. So we read the other black girl by Zakia mm-hmm. Delilah, Delilah Harris. This is her debut novel, and it was only pub- like it only was released this past June. Mm-hmm. So I guess we should just go up and say that if you have not yet had a chance to read it, mm-hmm. we go full spoilers on these discussions. Mm-hmm. So if you- and this is particularly one I think that is like spoiler prone. Yes. Yeah. So if this is something you want to read and you want to like get the full experience, don't listen to this episode yet. Mm-hmm. so that's come back after yes <laughs> so or you know or listen to it and go it's it's your life just know we are gonna go we're digging into it we are not hiding mm-hmm. the mystery of this book mm-hmm. uh, the show is apparently already in plans for a pilot for a hulu show which will be mm. interesting so um and i i did a little digging because i was curious about like how much of this book so this book takes place in the world of publishing Um, Mm -hmm. it sort of touches on the lack of diversity there, the lack of like black faces and black stories and black editors and how hard it can be to get those stories, you know, to the forefront. So I wanted, I did some digging and I wanted to see like why the author decided to talk about this. And so Mm -hmm. she, she says she hasn't had experiences like Nella, but, um, (laughs) but like she said, she was never the only black person, Mm -hmm. which I, I guess is not that high of a bar. (laughs) to clear (laughs) so but she does say quote i was still one of a few not many and the only black woman in editorial so that part of looking around the table and not seeing anyone who looked like me that part was very real but the characters were very much an amalgamation of certain quirks certain conversations i've overheard so so it sounds like it's based on her experiences but it's not like a memoir or anything it's not Mm -hmm. true to life so so, so let's get into our synopsis, and then we can just go. Go from there. Okay. So again, this is your last chance. We're getting full spoilers. If you, yeah. If you still want the mystery, turn back now. All right. 
Nella Rogers is the sole black employee at Wagner Books, a publishing house located in Manhattan. She's done some work to help diversify the industry in her office, but her colleagues are apathetic and resistant to change. One day, however, Nella picks up the scent of brown butter and comes to realize that Wagner Books has hired a second black girl. Nella is excited to soon have an ally in her lily white workplace, someone to vent to about the microaggressions, to share the culture, and to serve as backup when a problematic book needs to be called out. But it seems like Hazel isn't down with the sisterhood. When Hazel is able to ingratiate herself with her co-workers, including Hazel's boss, Nella begins to question her work and her place in the office. For example, after calling out a racist depiction of a black character in one of their author's books, Nella is gaslit by both her boss and Hazel into believing it's not that big a deal. Not helping things are the threatening notes she's been receiving telling her to leave Wagner. When Nella calls the number left on one of these notes, she's put in contact with women who claim to have been following her and looking out for her. For her. It turns out there's a reason to distrust Hazel as she's part of a larger conspiracy to pacify black women through a specially formulated hair grease called Chill Out. Um, this is where I gave up writing the synopsis and just wrote, the book ends in a new office with Nella, hair freshly greased, introduced as the team's newest hire. My brain basically broke after that plot point and <laughs> I could not go on. So... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And well, there's a lot more to it. Like there are other characters. There's this, there's, there's a whole separate timeline that takes place in the 80s that's sort of- You are going to have to explain that to me. Yeah, I, that's sort of important, but honestly, not really. I think if they had cut it, it would make a lot more sense. But yeah, so I guess I can just explain it now. So in the 80s, before the book is, before Nella and I think it's like the first chapter, in the 80s, the CEO of Wagner Books, Richard- had worked with a black editor named Kendra and a black author named Diane or Diana. I'm I, sorry, I cannot remember which one. I'm going to say Diane just for consistency. On writing a book called Burning Heart. Um, the book was a big success. It was very popular. It was, it was going to prepare to launch them into some new era of like black women, black stories publishing. However, some, uh, I don't know if it's, a conversation. I don't really know what gets out, but something gets out that Diane, no, that something gets out where people find out that Kendra had some, at some point said she didn't want to work with white writers anymore. I think it was, um, like they were profiled oh, and in the profile, okay. she says that she's not interested in working with white, white. authors, just black authors. Yes. And then they kind of labeled her as difficult. Yes. And racist. And so she sort mm -hmm. of gets blackballed from the industry and mm -hmm. so diane continues on with her career she's very popular um she maintains an affair with richard which came the fuck out of nowhere <laughs> in my opinion. um but so so that's what leads to that we later learn that kendra who had sort of like gone in hiding like she had yeah. to they made it sound like she was getting chased out of new york like the train yeah. conductor is like, aren't you that black girl who said you never want to work with white authors or something? I was like, what is it? Like, drive the train. Like, what are you doing? And my thing is, this is the 1980s. And like, you're telling me book news has blown up so big that this rando conductor on Amtrak is like spotting women on the train and being like, hey. Like, and <laughs> that no other black person in New York was saying that in 1980. Thank Come you. On. It was the 80s. Come on. We know. <laughs> So from what I can tell, I don't know. So 
Okay, we're really jumping to the end, but it, it sets up everything else. Yeah. Diane and Kendra have a friend named Amani. And this mm-hmm. friend named Amani went to school and got a degree in chemistry. And mm-hmm. so when after Kendra has her, her big debacle, like I guess Diane and Amani are talking and they're like, hey, wouldn't it be a way if we could just, wouldn't it be nice? I don't know how the conversation happened. I don't think it happened in the book. I'm just depositing. They'd be like, hey, wouldn't it be nice if we could mellow Kendra out? And instead of just mm-hmm. like weed or something, they make, <laughs> they make like this engineered hair grease that when put on black women is like, they use the term social lubricant that mm-hmm. I guess in theory makes the women immune to like, you know, microaggressions. Like they don't care about the microaggressions, the slights, mm-hmm. the digs. It helps them get through the day. Mm-hmm. And so they make this thing. I think there's a hint that they tried to, they tried to use it on Kendra. Cause like the very first chapter she's going on and about how her head hurts. Um, mm. So, okay. yeah, because I was confused. At first, I thought she got a bad relaxer. I was like, oh, girl, right. I know. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> so, it's like, just pat it, girl. Don't scratch. Don't, don't scratch. scratch. Um, so, but I think so she goes. So, Diane and Amani have this whole, like, network, this whole conspiracy with Richard, where they, like, mm-hmm. plant black girls in different workplaces and have mm-hmm. them sort of just you know, usurp the black people who are already there and like pull in black women and get them a part of this conspiracy to chill them out. Mm-hmm. And they call them OBGs, yes. which it took me too long <laughs> to <laughs> like, Daniel, I was like near the end of the book. I was like, Oh, <laughs> the other black girls. Yes. And Kendra, it's, is it other? Or is it only? Oh, I assumed it was other based on the title of the book. Oh, and I thought it was only because, like, they wanted to be the only one there. Well, because I thought that the... We're getting a little ahead, but we can just talk. I thought that that was a side effect because Amani and Diane are having this conversation. She's like, you've made them too competitive. Like, right. they need to, we need to... Like, they're still working out the kinks of the system. And right. she's like, they're, they send this... The last batch that Hazel's been a part of, they go in and they, they wreck everything for all the other black people because they want to mm-hmm. compete and be the only one. Mm-hmm. So I thought the competitiveness of being the only black girl was a kink. Ooh, I use that word. Huh? Was a <laughs> was a bug, not a feature. Mm-hmm. So, and then we learned that Kendra is sort of leading this resistance mm-hmm. to with this other girl who Shawnee. I can Shawnee, and it's like every time Shawnee came up, I was so confused about like what was happening I and was what too. the date was. I was like, too. I got the Kendra stuff. That kind of made sense. The Nella stuff, I'm like, okay, girl, whatever. <laughs> but the Shawnee stuff, like, almost up until the end, like, I know what happens to her. She gets thrown in a car. It's like, what happens after that? I cannot even remember. Um, I can t- So I can tell you that, too. So we're really, I guess this is still part of the synopsis, so it's cool. Um, <laughs> so Shawnee had worked with Hazel at the magazine. Because mm-hmm. Hazel worked at a magazine and Shawnee had worked there, too. But she was going by a different name. I think it was, was it Lynn? She had another name. Cause when these, she had another name. Yeah, when these girls go to each workplace, they have a new name. Nella has a new mm-hmm. name by the end of the book. She's like Delilah or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and when she was there, Hazel did the same thing to her. She like, she got everyone to think she was kind of crazy. She lost mm-hmm. her job. She got pushed out. So she hooks up with this resistance to try and like 
they've been watching Nella to try and help Nella to try to stop all this. Shawnee mm-hmm. kind of goes rogue and she tries mm-hmm. to meet with Nella and tell her what's happening. But I think she gets she gets pulled out not by Diane. I think I think the resistance team just kind of like pulls her out. And then they get her phone. And at the end, oh no, that was Gwen. I don't know what the hell happened to Shawnee. Right? Because <laughs> the girl at the end is a completely different girl. That's Gwen. And I don't know what. And I don't know yeah, what I she Yeah, I feel was like about. Kendra's kind of like, don't worry about Shawnee. Yeah. I'm <laughs> she's, like, well. She's not dead, but don't worry about she it. She was like a point of view character for a really long time. <laughs> a third of the book. And I was really confused because when she first appeared, I thought she was also in the 80s. And then she mentioned the internet and I had to go all the way back. too. Okay. I really, I really, that's what really, and I think it took me like a couple times for her to show up where I was like, oh, oh, okay. I get it. Yeah. So, because I listened to it and maybe had I read it and seen the actual subhead, like the chapter headings, it probably would have helped. But I wouldn't have finished this if I had to read it physically. It would not have. I'll say, I don't think I disliked it as much as you did. I was kind of offended by it. Like, I get what the book is trying to do. I think it's trying to show, like, well, I thought I knew it was trying to do, and then this ending came out of nowhere. I thought the book was trying to show, I'm going to be honest, I did not know there was going to be, like, this speculative, I don't even know what to call Mm. it, thriller, horror ending. I thought it was- And I think I went in knowing that it was going to take a turn. Okay, see, I didn't know that. I thought it Mm -hmm. was going to be more- like, if it was going to be kind of suspenseful, it was going to be, like, more like a, like, is Hazel fucking with Nella or not? Mm-hmm. Is she trying to usurp her and, like, make her look bad or not? And that's as far as I thought it was going to go. Yeah, I had read, I didn't know anything about the plot, but I heard that it did take a really hard turn into, <laughs> like, science fiction horror. Yeah, and I did not know that, because if you told me there was engineered hair grease, I would have... <laughs> I was not ready. So that really kind of put me... So I was already going in thinking like, okay, so they've got this discussion where they're talking about how any... Black women specifically, about how when people are Mm -hmm. the only ones in the office, they feel they have to compete. But they're not examining why. At least not Mm -hmm. as thoroughly as they're examining the hostility. But they're not examining why people who get in that Mm -hmm. position feel that way. Like, why Mm -hmm. do Nella and Hazel feel like they have to compete and be... And outshine each other. And why do they feel like they can't be allies? Yeah. And it's interesting. Like, I I felt like I didn't feel like a lot of aggression from um, Hazel when she first came in. I felt it all from Nella. Nella was <laughs> like, so felt, judgmental. <laughs> she was so judgmental. She's like such a hater. Like, right, like Hazel comes in. She seems really cool. Like, yeah. And she seems cool to Nella. She's like... And then it takes a turn with the the book, the author, um, and that at that point I'd be like, you can't be trusted. But from the beginning, I was like, okay, Nella, why are you like stressing this girl out? Like, why are you stressing yourself out? I okay, let's let's talk about the characters and let's start yes. with Nella because Ooh, I think Nella. that that is really a point of contention for a lot of people because this is a very <laughs> interestingly controversial character. Yes, I don't like Nella. I think, I don't know, she's got some issues she needs to work through, and the book did not examine them, I feel, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to a level to make it satisfying. Like, she's super, you know, down with the cause and blah, 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 but at the same time, she's like, I'm not comfortable around other black people. It's like, Nella, girl. 
Yes, like, I think Nella is really supposed to be un- an unlikable character. Like, she's very passive, which is not always a bad thing, because I think um, when Justice sleeps, like, the main character was kind of <laughs> passive, too. But she's even more so just kind of, like, doesn't want to rock the boat. She knows in her heart of hearts, like, she wants things to be better. That's why she does a diversity thing. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. like, at her job, she starts, like, a... I don't know. She goes to diversity meetings or something. Yeah. Um, but she doesn't really want to do anything to jeopardize what she has when what she has is not that much to begin no. with. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. She... I think she's, like, rich. She comes from a rich family. Um, so I think that gives her a little bit of, like imposter blackness I don't know what she because she feels like oh she's trying to relate here she's trying to relate there and then she's like but my parents paid my loans and you know I did this and I did that and she I just went doesn't to really an fit Ivy. In. yeah yeah and then she has this white boyfriend who um is also like, down with the cause like and put those in like huge air quotes because <laughs> like for the longest time he I felt like he didn't really give a fuck about her or anything and then at the end it's like no he's a good guy and it's like Wait, what? Is yeah. what? He's also not on the in the story for that much, except to show yeah. like how her relationships are breaking down. Yeah. So she just she's kind of you know floating along. She's this um, editorial assistant. Um, it seems like she's been in this position for longer than she should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's so happy that she got this job when it's really hard to get in at Wagner. And there are no other black people, and she's kind of just um, hoping that they'll notice her one day. In comes Hazel, who she says, you know, has this cool girl vibe. She's got locks. She's got, I think she has, like, piercings. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ombre locks. Yes, ombre locks, which, okay, like, I'm going to do it. I (laughs) want to. I've had faux locks on and off, like, throughout the pandemic. But I just, ugh, I guess so tired of putting it in. I don't know. That's that's besides the point. That's on my hair podcast and my podcast. That's, that's another Unbelievable. Oh. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. Episode one, Butterfly Locks. <laughs> The sackcloth, the flower cloth, um, what is it? Flower sack dress of the current Great Depression. (laughs) Because, okay, 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 if I can give like a two second, before shit hit the fan, when Obama was in office, (laughs) everyone had like the Senegalese twist, right? And Mm -hmm. box braids, and Mm -hmm. it had to be extremely like intricately neat, right? Like, your braids were on point if they were, like, super neat, super tight, like, very uniform. Yes. Nowadays, you see, like, soft locks, distressed locks, butterfly locks, um, passion twist. (laughs) And it's because, A, we have no money to go to the barber, and B, we couldn't couldn't do it because it's a pandemic, so you're at home doing it yourself. So, like, that messy kind of boho look is, like, us trying to be fashionable when the world is crumbling. Hence... (laughs) The flower sack dresses. Okay, Tune in I for more on Unbeweevable. Unbe- <laughs> if you can find 
a Jill Scott esque. I'll, I'll drop that. That'll be your new. That'll be the theme for Unbeweevable. For Unbeweevable, the podcast with the but I go on. So Hazel has this very like cool girl aesthetic mm-hmm. that I aspire to. Like if like I feel like if you know she walked in, I would be so happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like to have a black coworker who seemed cool. Yeah, and like I did kind of get that insecurity where you're like, oh, I'm not as cool as that person. Mm-hmm. But like she starts judging. Like it's weird. Immediately. Like yeah, it's weird because they're all talking to the editors. And, like, I guess Boston is com- comes up. And, like, Nella mm-hmm. is, like, I don't know. There's, like, a couple of moments where it's, like, little social cues that she expects Hazel to miss, but Hazel mm-hmm. doesn't miss them. She, like, picks mm-hmm. them up right up, right up. Like, talking about Boston. She's, like, oh, I have, we, yeah, the winters are cold, blah, blah, blah. And, like, they talk, and Nella's, like, oh, they've been talking about weather for, like, the dumb weather for, like, five minutes. Like, she's good at, at that schmoozy stuff. Right. And Nella is, like, weirded out by it. If you go in, like, for me, like, the second, like, Nella was, like, such a hater, I was like, oh, this is, she's the quote-unquote hero of the story, but she's not the good guy in this story. (laughs) Like, I don't know if there is going to be a good guy in this story. Yeah, and she's very frustrating because you want her to be more, she claims she's, like, all doing all this stuff and she's down and she listens to the knockoff i guess he's supposed to be not sean king i don't know who he's supposed to be jesse watkins whoever he is but when she's called to do it i I, kept picturing d-ray like every time i pictured him i pictured him in a in the puffer with the vest (laughs) that's what it's yeah sean king's not a very good comparison so yeah nella and hazel and mm-hmm. and the it does feel like in parts of the book Hazel is and this is why I thought it was just like a regular old workplace thriller. Mm-hmm. It feels like she's gaslighting her, but then she mm-hmm. she's like manipulating her, and then she flips it back. Like she's like, "Girl, you know you can trust me," and blah blah blah. Right. So I thought for that part, like had it continued on that route and like had a very satisfying ending where it wasn't <laughs> some chicken grease, ch- chicken George, whatever. <laughs> I would have been fine. (laughs) I want to say this. I feel kind of insulted by this book for so many reasons. Talk me through that. Talk me through why you feel insulted. I feel okay. So to begin with, when I thought, so I already talked about how I thought it was going to talk about like why women in these situations Mm. need to be, you know, need to feel like they compete. And I was like, why aren't mm-hmm. we, why aren't we examining the external factors to make them feel that way? But then mm-hmm. once it was revealed, I got really mad because the idea of a woman with a chemistry degree and an accomplished author, instead of, you know, going out and doing something to tackle racism, they decide that it's the black women who need to chill out mm-hmm. and we're going to do it through their hair. Like a very mm-hmm. politicized thing. Like, cause I was wondering, Nella talks about her hair a lot in this book. A lot. And I was wondering, like, there's a lot of hair talk going on at a time where it didn't seem relevant to the story. Mm-hmm. But then at the end, for it to be, it feels, honestly, this book feels like Chart, Char, what is it, Chartricia? What's the girl's <laughs> name? Uh huh. It feels like a collection of Chartrices, a collection of like stereotypes put together in a book. No one feels like a real black person. It's like it's a mm-hmm. lesson. It's like, don't be like these. At one point, they're making fun of some girls' names because they have, like, quote-unquote, you know, hood names. Mm-hmm. And I know we're not supposed to root for it. I know it's supposed to show, like, look at how, you know, I guess Jack and Jill these women are. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. This book, 
it did I do not feel I feel like I was laughing at like I was I don't know I was laughing at them I was rooting I was like like we were rooting for the wrong thing I don't know this book like felt you're rooting insulting. against these black women yes I didn't mm-hmm. like it I felt like mm-hmm. I didn't like it it insulted me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's totally fair um I I don't think I was like as uh turned off I think I think probably like knowing that it was going to take some sci-fi turn because I was like waiting for it the whole time and I was like oh something is up with Hazel Mm -hmm. so I didn't know quite what it was but I was like something is off with her and Nella was set up to like go against her but because Nella was such like this nothing character she really couldn't overcome it so at some point in the book, I was like, okay, Nella isn't going to solve anything. I thought maybe the others would. Um, Shawnee and um, uh, the other editor, I thought they might come to the rescue, but that kind of fizzles out, I feel mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I kind of thought that part was weak. Um, I was like, I, I like the idea of like, you know, the hair grease controlling people, like mind controlling people. I think that could be done. Yeah. Um, but I think that that is like such a minefield. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if it had done something to empower them instead of like, basically they just, they're numbing them. They're zombifying or pacifying black women. And it's not like Mm -hmm. black women already get accused of like, being mad, making too big a deal. Cause that's what it felt like. Mm. It was like, you're angry black women. You need to chill out here. We're going to just numb. We're going to drug you so you can be more socially acceptable. I think like I'm seeing this as a horror movie, like a horror book because like at the end, like the grease and everything, it's like the end is like the horror of this hair grease. So it's like, it's not like, like, them putting the hair grease on is commenting on um, black women, even though I think that, you know, we can talk about how well she's doing the satire and how well she's doing the horror. But I think, like, the horror that you are being consumed by or you're being um, misled and controlled by these things that are so personal and so, you know, culturally black... Um, like that's kind of the horror, and I think it like takes it to this absurdist level. Like, oh, it's your, it's your hair grease that they're getting you from, and I think like if, uh, and I hate to like compare, even though we do this all the time. We do. We should stop saying because we're just gonna do it anyway. <laughs> we're just gonna do it anyway. I think of like some of the things in the sellout, which are just as like oh, fucking racist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like his what? dad getting shot in, you know, with the bucket of chicken and, and segregating like, LA. Segregating LA. Like there are things in that book that are what like he literally has a slave in that book. He does. Book. <laughs> he does. Like he literally has a slave in that book. Oh, that's but so I interesting. think because you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, why does that work? And why do I love that one? And I hate this. Right. And it might be like, I'm trying to like take personal feelings out of it too. Cause I'm like, okay, like there was this, there's this movie that's out. I think it's an Italian film, maybe French. I don't know. I think it's an A24 film and it's like, um, or maybe it's not. I don't know. I think I'm conflating two movies. <laughs> one about an evil dress and one about an evil weave. Um, <laughs> 
put them together, you got one terrible outfit. You got one terrible outfit. And it's like basically, it's like the weave, the girl puts on the weave and um, it like is this monstrous thing. It like takes her over all this stuff. It's like that Simpsons episode. (laughs) Yes. Yes, exactly. But it's a black girl and it's like. It gives me vibes of, like, good hair vibes where it's like, well, why do you black girls want to be white? Why do you want to look like this? Why can't you just be natural? Why can't you just do X, Y, Z? And so I think, like, it's so easy to, like, misstep into that territory. So when you have, like, you know, this um, hair grease is, like, the absurdist horror element. Like, yes, I think it could work where it's, like, hey, they're putting the hair grease in, it's controlling girls, because how many of us grew up hearing, like, you know, there's crack in, um... Creamy crack? Uh, creamy crack, I was gonna say, church's chicken. Oh. <laughs> um, they're controlling you. Like, how many of us grew up with these, like, conspiracy theories where it was, like, the white man's trying to control us through, you know, X, Y, Z. So I think, like, there's a way you could do it, I don't know if it works so well here, and I don't know if it's, um, like, the novel. I don't know if it's because Nella is kind of a weaker character. I don't know if it's because, you know, the plot. Or I don't know if it's me and just my own discomfort with, like, this storyline. When I was, like, totally forgiving of it and, like, thinking it was hilarious and something in the sellout. So it's, like... Yeah, and that's what I'm getting, like, I'm doing, like, why does it work in the sellout? And they are doing much more reprehensible things. I guess because mm-hmm. he reluctantly owns a slave. <laughs> like, I don't know. I I think, I agree with you on one part. I do think maybe had it changed a bit, it could have worked. The I will say the hair thing feels to come out of, seems to come out of nowhere. Like, we're all set up in this book publishing world, in this workplace mm-hmm. story, and then the hair thing kind of comes out of nowhere. Maybe had it not been there, maybe had it always just been like, you know, a black woman trying to deal with, like, say something about, I don't know. It just felt too out of left field for me. I think it could work, like you're saying. Like, I like what you were saying about, like, you know, your beauty and, the, and these things that are personal to you and your culture and how it can come back and control you. But it just was so just out of nowhere that's, mm-hmm. I hate when horror does that. Speaking of A24, like, that's why I hated Hereditary. Spoiler <laughs> alert. See, and I liked Hereditary. I was so mad, because I'm like, it's the, <laughs> sorry, spoiler alert for Hereditary, I'm like, it's the devil? Really? Okay, at the end, I kind of was like, okay, this is just starting, like, what's Payman gonna do? Like, he just got here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, but I was so mad, because I was expecting it to be something much more personal. Something that they had set up, like like mm-hmm. the the dead her dead brother or her mom, like her mom mm-hmm. was coming back. Nope. But, no, it's the devil, the oldest the oldest antagonist in all of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Thanks. He's here. Thanks. He's like surprise. And he looks and he looks surprised. Like he does. He looks shocked. Like he's like, I don't know how the fuck I got here either. Y'all. Oh, that like, last scene. Yes. Yeah, I feel like it's. I. You know what? My husband would probably have a lot because he is like the horror person. Like, that kind of more atmospheric instead yeah, I, of, like... I love that um, stuff. Right. And some people hate it. Like, we call it, like, that elevated horror, quote-unquote. Yes, I know. And they're like, I hate this. I do not like it. I want to see jokes. I want to see fun. You know what I mean? And I think there's room for both. Yeah. Well, I like but, movies that make me feel creepy as opposed to, like, jumps. Like, so if you're good at it, and I thought it was doing such a good job, and then the devil showed up, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> 
That's kind of a theme, though, in, like, some of these newer horror movies. It's like, it ramps up, ramps up, ramps up. Because I feel like, what's the other one that does something very similar? And then it, like, cuts out right when things, like... Oh, I was... It's not Midsummer. I mean, I liked uh, Midsummer. At least they acknowledged from the jump. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a You know what? <laughs> they don't I trick think... you into thinking it's something different. There is a lot of... Um... Because I remember I like Midsummer too. My husband hated it. And like we went online to see like if it was a good or bad movie to see who like agreed with each one of us. And I saw a lot of people saying like they hated it, hated it, hated it because they were like, Well, we shouldn't be celebrating this girl because her boyf of oh, spoilers. I know boyf- yeah, got lots of spoilers. <laughs> burned up in a bear costume and all this stuff. And it's like, but that's like that's the point. Like That's the horror. That's the horror of it. Like, she succumbs. She becomes, like, this monstrous person. And she, like, leans all the way into it. The other one I was thinking of was the witch or the the bitch. The bitch. Um, and, and now that you mm-hmm. say that, that sort of plays into the ending of this book, too. It, that's exactly where I was going. Where it's like, you're not rooting for these people. Like, they're monstrous people. And you're getting, like, their point of view, like, they're succumbing to the bad thing. And, like, the quote-unquote hero is losing at the end. Yeah. I guess for me, I guess that the people who were responsible for it should have been present. Maybe I wanted them to be presented as more horrific. Because they didn't really come Mm -hmm. off as if they were that horrific. Mm -hmm. And that could be a comment, too, like, on that acceptability, that palpability. Because it's, like, this woman who... um, uh, you know, made it big and kind of sold her friend out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's like, okay, if someone's going to, like, control young black girls through some hair grease, it's going to be somebody like this. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, she, like, why? Like, because they make it sound like it's coming from a good place. That's my thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and I know all villains think they're doing good. But mm-hmm. they truly, and it's presented like they're doing this altruistic thing. Like, mm-hmm. how can you deal, like... I don't know. I don't. I just. I just didn't like it because I guess you, anything I say I don't like could be argued that that's how it's supposed to work. Like, mm-hmm. but if you didn't, if you weren't feeling it, then it's like <laughs> because that's why I think it goes back to the sellout because it's like okay, I can see logically, but I still wasn't feeling that shit. Yeah, and maybe if the pacing had been fixed a bit better, like if we I didn't imagine. spend so much time with her with the you know the workplace drama. Mm-hmm. and we got mm-hmm. to like this more horrific stuff a little earlier maybe it mm-hmm. would have changed we've mm-hmm. got to talk a- about the elephant in the room about this the movie this book really got compared to what get out when i looked up on goodreads oh really so apparently there's a lot of get out comparisons okay and, walk and the, me through that and the book even i think it was just in the mark in some of the marketing copy that it, um mm. i think what did i see because i went back after the ending and i was like what the fuck and it was like <laughs> And there was stuff people like, you know, Get Out meets Stepford Wives or something. Okay. Yeah, it's the book. It's it's the and it's like the first paragraph on Goodreads. Get Out meets the Stepford Wives and this electric debut about the tension that unfurls when two young black women meet against the starkly white backdrop of New York City book publishing. Okay. And so now I see that and that probably would have had me amped up for something to happen. Mm-hmm. To be fair, even... I don't know. I guess there's nothing supernatural that happens, so never mind. I was about to say, nothing supernatural happens in that one, but it, it doesn't. But again, the people who are doing the bad shit are still white people, so whatever. <laughs> right, and maybe that's that's the thing, too. Like, I could see, 
like these black women being like doing the bad thing because they're like, oh, well, this is the way that we have to succeed in the world. And I guess that's where kind of step for <clears throat> step for wives comes in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but still at the same time, it felt maybe inauthentic. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about in um, such a fun age. Remember how, uh, uh, what's her name? Alexi, Alex, 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 Alex with an I. <laughs> she has the black friend who sees um mm-hmm. the other girl, and she like touches her weave, and she's like afraid to go natural. And it's yeah. like that to me, like in such a small scene, like shows me exactly. It's like it's the same kind of character, but it seems so much more real and so much more like believable and so much more like geared toward a black audience than uh, these two did. Mm-hmm. The chemist and the, the author. Mm-hmm. I just, of all things, I know a black chemist and she is very much, and I just put her in this, and she, she's very much, what do they call them? Black Panther, black activist. Like the <laughs> okay. idea, because if you are a black woman in STEM, you're even more like, it's a, it's a similar workplace. Mm-hmm. So, um, there was something But I can't with. say that there aren't you know, black women out there who are like, oh yeah, and maybe that's too like why I thought it was only black girl, and you thought it was other black girl. Like I saw them as like these backstabbers who are just gonna do whatever to get white approval. See, and I think it's I think because there was something in the book where they're like they're still figuring out the formula. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Hazel's actions are their end goal. Like they're just trying to figure but- out. I thought I thought it was Kendra and them who were calling them OBGs. I think so. The resistance, yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it was like a term that the, they chose. The, for the creators made it. No, they did. Yeah. What did, what did they call the ones who weren't? Because they are getting people who oh, weren't going voluntarily. What they, I can't they had a name. It was like the involuntaries. <laughs> yeah. It's very on the nose. I just uh, there was I. There were just, so this book reminds me, I mentioned this to Molly, this book reminds me of the female version of Black Buck, because it's very similar, and I feel like if you Mm -hmm. enjoyed this book, you would, or if you didn't enjoy this book, you would have similar feelings related to Black Buck, and I feel like I can't talk about that one without spoiling it either, I don't know if Mm -hmm. people plan to read Black Buck. The tone of it, the feel of it, the whole, like, we're talking about what it's like to be the only Black face in this space, and Mm -hmm. how they approach it, it's also, they're both in New York. They both end mm-hmm. up having bad relationships with their significant others. It's they're both paced very poorly. It has a very similar feel to mm. to Black Buck. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I remember you saying you didn't like it. So I, I, like, eh. I did not. The the last, and again, that maybe it's the pacing issue. Maybe that's what I don't like. Maybe I just like if you want to go and do this absolute bonkers thing, you got to give me more than fifteen percent of the book to, to to deal with it. You can't be yeah. throwing that in on like the last hour and be like, well, now there's a mind control grease. I did like her one friend. He's like, I'm not letting you put that unlabeled shit in my that, I knew you cause that shit was funny. And I, I was like, I know that Daniel's gonna like that when they're at like the, the hair party or something. Yes. And she's like, um, she's like, no girl. Uh, I don't know what's in that. Yeah. I'm very no, no label. <laughs> they're kind of like angrier and angrier at her. And it's not got no label. I'm sorry. So, uh, so I don't know. I guess talking through it, I again I can see 
that's I guess maybe that's what makes it more frustrating when you can kind of see what they were trying to do mm-hmm. and they just didn't hit the mark. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of wondering too, like, because um, it's interesting, like when you think about, uh, like, Get Out, mm-hmm. because it's like I guess I get it, but I don't know. I I feel like what. Let me ask you this. Like, what part or what role do you think, um, like, a white gaze is playing in contemporary black horror? Ooh, that's a good question. Six, and especially successful contemporary black horror. That's a good question, because... So let's think of other examples of black horror real quick, because I want to see, like, what's been a good one and what's been a bad... Well... Mm-hmm. So I think for Get Out, I think he does a good job of balancing both, you know, the mm-hmm. black experience and the white gaze mm-hmm. because he he introduces this character. I think having the girlfriend kind of helped even though she was problematic and having the one friend. So the girlfriend is sort of the, before you find out what her deal is, I think the, mm-hmm. oh, what's it, the entry, entryway isn't the word I'm trying to think of, but it's the gateway. Maybe that's the where white people can see themselves mm-hmm. again before. But I think it's interesting too, because if you're black and you're watching it, then you probably got some pre-judgments in your head. Right. Like, oh, white girlfriend mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think he does that a lot better than some of these things that have been compared to get, to out. get out have done. Yes. And then I think we have his close friend. And I think mm-hmm. maybe that, I think maybe if Michaela had been used a little bit more, like mm-hmm. maybe if she had met Hazel earlier or something, maybe she could have been a better sounding board or better someone like this shit ain't right or something. Right. To kind of ground Nella's um, mm-hmm. like anxiety and jealousy and you as the reader, because I was thinking about what you said about how we're not supposed to like Nella. I mm-hmm. kind of always give the protagonist, especially when it's a first person, like the benefit of the doubt, which mm-hmm. is why I'm always easily duped by these kind of <laughs> So like, it would have been nice had we had someone who wasn't involved be like, either, you know what, like, girl, you're tripping. She's, she's just, she just got nice hair or something. Mm-hmm. Or to be like, no, you're right. She's, she's, mm-hmm. she's trying to cut you out or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, we read another black horror, remember? But it was a completely different vibe. Never mind. Well, okay. Well, let's talk about those too. Like we read, uh, what's her name? We Do. Read, what's yeah. her first name? Tana Reeve Do. She was quoted, yes. wasn't she? At the very... I believe she was. Because she's like, kind of like the godmother of like black horror at this point. Like she's like the go-to. Yeah. And we read The Good House, right? We read The Good House. And The Good House is very much like, this is based in like black history this mm-hmm. is based in black religion this is based in like you know cultural practices cultural suffering practices pain uh, racist history like that is very very different like i'm not gonna say it's like unconcerned but i don't feel like whiteness is centered right the same way it is in some of these other things because I'm, I'm thinking now about um what is that? Uh, sorry to bother you. Did you see that? I didn't see that one. I needed to watch that one, but it—that's what Black Book got compared to. So if mm-hmm. <laughs> Black mm-hmm. Book is the sorry to bother you, what this book is to get out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like okay, now you take kind of these stories, and it's still like there are black characters, but they're thinking about like white people all of the time. Yeah. And it's like okay, and then when you're in their heads, it's like okay. Well, what is this 
saying about this book? Is this what's where some of my discomfort is coming from or some of like, you know, why I'm not feeling it? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, oh, the other one I was going to talk about, um, where I was trying to, them. Them. I don't know if I've read that. I know I haven't read that one because the title doesn't sound familiar. Let me Google. Oh, it's a, it's a show. Oh, well, then I haven't seen it either. Yeah, it's a show. Um, I believe, let me just pull up a synopsis so I'm not talking out of my ass. You can see, I don't know if you're looking at it, but it looks a little familiar. Yeah. Um. Like us. Oh, yes. exactly. Yes. Even the even the use of a pronoun. Yes. So this this one sparked a lot of conversation. Okay. Um, and a lot of those horror accounts are like talking about it because I believe that this is set in like the fifties or sixties. Fifty three, according is, to Wikipedia. What's that? Fifty three, according 53. to. Fifty three. Yeah. And it's a black family that moves into a white neighborhood and they experience like just insane, insane levels of violence, like on screen, like oh, wow. just extremely distasteful, very, very difficult for people to watch. Oh, then maybe I won't watch it. <laughs> I would, like, I, I read some of the things in it and I was like, there's, there's no way I could enjoy or feel like I want to watch this. So it's like. You know, uh, Watchmen came out, which uh, we both read Watchmen. Yes. I don't know if And we saw the movie. (laughs) And we saw the movie together. That's right. (laughs) Together. And so then the show came out and they kind of reworked it to tell a black story. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember hearing about that. Yeah. And so I heard like, you know, people were pretty positive on that. Lovecraft Country came out and they do uh, kind of a similar thing. They're taking like Lovecraftian horror um, and kind of reworking it um, uh, uh, to talk about racism in America. Um, and then them came out and it's just like ultra, ultra violence against mm-hmm. this black family. So people start saying, and I, um, I bring up those others, especially um, like Watchmen, because it starts with like a reenactment of um, Black Wall Street. Um, oh, I think I remember hearing about this on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So it's like all this brutality against black people on these like white premiere. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So prestige it's like prestige dramas. Prestige dramas where like uh, Vulture and NPR and all these places where there aren't a lot of black voices are kind of praising it, praising it, praising it. And then you have black people are kind of like, whoa. <laughs> wait a second like i i don't i don't feel good about this like i don't like this so it kind of became like this talk about like well professor do was like um uh well you know like american history just like you said black history is like horrific like parts of like well not black history but white violence against black people in u.s history is horrific so to take it out is to kind of erase or um, not uh, be truthful to that experience. But then on the opposite end, it's kind of like, okay, but why is it this like brutality against black people that is constantly up for white consumption? Right. And I think that that is 
really at play in this book. Like, maybe not so much, like, to the level of violence, but it's kind of like, you see a lot of the praise for this book, but here it is, like, we're both sitting here like, I don't know, this made me feel kind of uncomfortable. So it's like, that's why I, like, ask that question. It's like, well, what role is, like, a white gaze or a white audience playing in these books and I don't have an answer I don't mean to be like well this was a shit book and these men did it better in the sellout you know what I mean but it's like we're a book podcast we ask questions like this no I think that's a great question you can't help but think that when you're reading a book that takes place in publishing where the characters main characters are going on and on and on about how white the stories are and how Mm -hmm. there's a character in the book who's like oh you should add more race to the story so this author makes up a whole black like how much of this story Like, how much was this story itself shaped by those same forces? Like, Mm -hmm. where, like, if this is based on maybe not real life experiences, but just conversations he's overheard, how much are stories like this being told? Well, the black people, do they even read? Like, I don't know. I Mm -hmm. think that's a very valid point. Mm -hmm. It's like when you're reading this, it's like a white person, like you imagine a white person seeing you and like coming up and saying, I love that book too. And it's like, oh, I don't want to. yeah it's funny you mentioned that because Mm -hmm. like when we did um such a fun age i went and i looked at the reviews Mm -hmm. i almost wanted to do like let's introduce a new segment of the book of the podcast we read one good review and one bad review of the book i kind of like that (laughs) just to get the full diversity because Mm -hmm. there's a there's a split a lot of the black people i follow Mm -hmm. two to three star three stars seems to be the max i'm Mm -hmm. seeing black people give it Non-black people, I'm not saying all of them are giving it high ratings. There are a couple three stars too, but non-black people, like the only fours and fives I'm seeing are coming from non-black. There aren't a lot of five stars, TBH, but a lot of the four stars I'm seeing are non-black readers. At least from what we can tell on Goodreads, because I'm not about to have them come after me like they came after that one survey or whatever the fuck where they were like we looked at pictures oh yeah i know oh, girl <laughs> i yes i do <laughs> we are not claiming to have imperial uh quantitative quantitative data this is just a pure scroll through goodreads mm-hmm. i do just like this one review like her is like i hate this book i hate that everything is compared to get out i hate nella i hate that they bring up <laughs> black twitter so much i hate the black twist <laughs> so <laughs> i don't blame i do I do also hate that they brought up black, black Twitter so much. And, like, 90s everything. I, that's, like, that. the kids love the 90s right now. Do they? Or yeah. do, do, I mean, do they, I guess, do they like them in the same way that somebody who would have lived through it? Like, there's, I had the same no. problem when we watched, it's, when we uh-huh. read um, The Hate You Give. Remember, like, she loved The Fresh Prince mm-hmm. and 90s mm-hmm. R&B. And I'm like, this feels like someone... Our age, who loves the Fresh Prince and 90s R&B, who still has affinity for that stuff, saying well, it's like... I will say, like, Frank's, uh, my husband's niece, our niece, who is 12. Mm-hmm. Remember, like, she came in, she was like, uh, I want to get all neon and inflatable furniture because that's very in right now. Like, all the songs are coming on the radio. She's like, that's TLC. That's Nirvana. And then Destiny's Child came up. She's like, it sounds like Rihanna, maybe. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. And that's why I asked you. I was like, do the kids not know who 
Destiny's Child is, and you're like, well, no, I was more the 2000s, and I was like, oh, so, like, they're very, they're very into the 90s right now. I feel like the same way, like, the 70s were hot when I was in middle school, like, with the big flared jeans, and I was, like, picking my hair out, I was like, I got a pro going, and everybody was roller skating, like... <laughs> Generation Alpha or whatever. Oh, I guess she's the same. It, well, it's just funny because me and my sister were talking about when we were kids and uh, mm. my niece goes, no more talking about back in the past in the 90s. I was like, okay, <laughs> sorry. I was like, you really shamed me there. She did. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. She's 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 only eight, but she's like too cool for me now. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. it she's not even, fast. she's not even a tween. Mm-hmm. not even a tween and she's mm-hmm. like okay she's like enough with the old shit and I'm like oh my gosh this is why I love them while they're babies because they won't love you after that <laughs> she'll come back when she wants to borrow like your um car uh, or I was gonna say your um uh, uh baby fat with like the <laughs> Audis <laughs> when the Audis turn comes around to be cool oh so, so yeah, there's a lot, the reviews are just interesting, but, um, yeah, I did, I, I, I noticed that too, like scrolling through. So, but it's just, cause it goes, you said this word and I thought it was great. She, these, they don't feel authentic the way they drop mm. talking about like 90s stuff and what they mm. saw on black Twitter and on Beyonce's. And does anybody still say on Beyonce's internet anymore or on Beyonce's, whatever it is? In like year two thousand twenty one, the year of our Beyonce, do people really talk, still like talk like that? Most erotically, ironically. Okay, not like earnest, like because I'm yeah. like, are we? Because it just it just feels. And like, again, it can't be thinking like did some editor say, "Hey, you really need to black up this dialogue." <laughs> like, maybe or maybe they're like, "You need to explain it more," because she like the author is black, like she's a black woman, right? So it's like, I don't want to be like, oh, well, it doesn't sound black when she's saying like, oh, this is my experience. And that's but, what like, I'm thinking. Like the mm-hmm. stuff that would have read authentically black, someone told her, no, you need to make it, it needs to be more obviously black. Right. Right. Because like I, like I could see someone saying it like very post-ironically, like on John <laughs> King's internet or something. So let me check my notes. Hold on. I took, let me make sure I covered... I said all I wanted to say about this book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I, said, I wrote Nella's Black Anxiety is Extremely Exhausting. <laughs> you know what? That got me more than anything else. Like how much she was walking around letting that phantom white person in her head dictate right, every like, fucking thing she did. It did. Like just, I don't know, Nella, man. Like you're already, your career is already not going anywhere. You might as well just be like, Fuck all y'all, this book is racist. Like, what's right. the point? Like, what, you've been an assistant for what? How many years? Like, you're not, you, you don't have the kind of life you think you have, girl. That was my thing. Like, shit or get off the pot. Like, make some kind of move. But again, she's a passive character. That's what you Like, I wonder if it would have been more effective if at the end she, like, willingly went with these women. She kind of did, didn't she? Did well, maybe she? not willingly. Like, she was kind of... She just wanted the pain to stop. So she's like, okay, mm-hmm. yes. And so she yeah. went. Like, I guess if she, like, she totally came to it, like, oh, like, she was, like, swayed by them. I guess, like, and here's, I, I think I figured out another issue, because this reminds mm-hmm. me of it. What's the end game of this plan? Like, after you've pacified yeah. all the black women, 
what 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 are you gonna do? Like what what'll happen? Like what's what's the end goal? Like what happens after they're all soothed and able to you 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 know pacify them to the microaggressions of white America? Now what? Nothing yeah, changes. I mean, I think that's what what Stepford Wives how it kind of comes in. It's like okay, yeah. well now they're palpable. Now we can like stop feeling so guilty because we have a black girl here and she's not going to make trouble for us and we can feel better about ourselves and you know they get to have these jobs and careers and be successful like you know the author and the chemist were um <laughs> like i you know it's just kind of like an evil way like to buff out all their personality and the culture so that they can be these kind of like zombie character or zombie people so it's like integrating them and quote unquote saving them, integrating them into white society, but at what cost is what I kind of saw there. The end game and then the issue with their plan. Okay, I guess that's true. And I guess you're not supposed to like them. Like there is that scene where they make fun of all the black girls' names. And I guess like mm-hmm. that's a really big like, you're not supposed to like these two. No, like they're not supposed, like I don't think the book is condoning or saying what they're doing is good. But I don't think we really, I, I, I think it's like just, or I was even going to say like how it kind of jumps back and forth and it's kind of confusing like who some of the characters yeah. are sometimes and how, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I don't know, maybe if they had introduced, um, what was the author's name? Uh, Diane. Diane. Maybe if they had introduced her and she had been a character more from the beginning and mm-hmm. we got to kind of see more of her to know that she was like this big bad at the end she made this like heel turn because she's kind of like you know off you know untouchable for a very long time and the editor um is missing so you really don't see a lot of their dynamic or what they want or and it's all filtered through Nella who has all these other anxieties going on that are kind of distracting (laughs) yes uh yeah, there's only one scene where they're together, and it's it's right after their book is published, and I guess they're having, like, the celebratory mm-hmm. party, mm-hmm. and they're like, and you do see some tension between them, where Dan's like, you just need to chill out and relax, Richard said he's gonna do this, blah, 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 and then they have their split from there. Yeah, because it's like, I'm not gonna say, like, these characters are not true to life, like, I feel like they're definitely, like, black people who are like, well, if you were just a little bit nicer if you were just a little bit like less aggressive or maybe if you just straightened your hair then xyz would happen and i feel like you run into them in these professional settings so like turning that character into like the horror you know villain i think could work but i just don't it it just i I don't know for me the problem was nella (laughs) filtering all this through her I don't know, and I guess I just found, and I'm trying to get, and I don't know if that's a valid enough reason, just find the whole premise kind of uh, offensive in mm-hmm. the way it's presented. It's like, and I get that it's horror, but I don't feel like, I don't know, because again, I went in thinking it was a different kind of book, mm-hmm. and now I'm like, had I read it knowing that, that it was like this horror speculative fiction thing, would that have changed my interpretation and why I was so offended because again I thought it was just like a straight like workplace fiction Mm -hmm. book Mm -hmm. and I was like so this book is saying we Mm. like so 
it's, I don't know. I'd have to go read it again, and I don't really want to, so. Yeah. No, I totally get that, and I think it's totally fine. That's why I brought up the one about the weave, because I'm like, <laughs> I know that's horror, and you know what? I'm still going to wear like... these wigs and these weaves and these, like, feet and braids, and no amount of you saying, but what about looking white? Don't you care? It's going to make me, like, you know what I mean? Like, just like, oh, your weave is killing you. It's like, it's not, though. <laughs> And, like, that, I think, and every time you bring up the hair grease and the weave thing, I think mm-hmm. there's something there because black hair, black women's hair has been so politicized. Like, you mm-hmm. could do something with that, and it feels like it just wasn't executed mm-hmm. here. Like, they're trying to tackle too many themes. We're trying to talk about, you know, what it's like to be black in the publishing, like, you know, the publishing world and her issues around her white boyfriend and her black mm-hmm. anxieties. And then, mm-hmm. and then the hair thing. It's, like, it's too much all being smushed together and then mm-hmm. we're covering it all with hair grease. Mm-hmm. And I, I think <laughs> it's interesting how you say that. I think you could absolutely write a horror like like centered around like black hair. Like, you know, you go to the salon and guess what? You're there 18 hours and someone comes in and you're suddenly on this crazy horror adventure. Like, but it would have to, it like, I think to be successful, like it would it would have to get rid of that, like, white gaze. Exactly. Because I feel like there's still such a gap in knowledge about yes. black hair care that you would really have to say, like, I'm speaking to people who get it. Who get it, yeah. Like, I'm making inside jokes, kind of like, get out. Like, I'm speaking specifically to people who either get it already or want to find out on their own. I'm not going to stop and explain We're not it over explaining and over. It. Exactly. Yeah. And maybe that's where this is slowing down some. Yeah. Now that you say that, that pitch is amazing, though. Like, because if you went to the hairdresser at 6 a.m. and something happened to you, it could easily be... 12 hours, like a portal opened up and you just... (laughs) And how long before your family even knew something had happened to you? You'd be be gone all day. Like, how much of a head start would whatever evil thing took you have? Or, oh my god, if it was just like the hairdresser's like, oh, I need to go pick up such and so. Can you give me a ride? (laughs) Anything could happen at that point. Exactly. And then the food, uh, like, ah, see, there's so, like, there's something there. Even, like, mm-hmm. the hair grease, even the weave, as absurd as it sounds, sounds mm-hmm. funny. Like, the hair typing, mm-hmm. we're going to organize people by, like, their hair type. There's so many things you can do. That would be hilarious. Do. Like, a bunch of girls that are like, you are not 4C. Exactly. <laughs> Some girl wanted to get a relaxer and just... Oh, we talked about that on YouTube, right? The girls are like, I don't give a fuck. All you natural girls, I don't care. I'm relaxing my hair. And it's like, why are you so hostile? Just like a battle royale, like at the uh, beauty supply store. <laughs> the naturals versus the relaxers. But it's like, you couldn't, like, to skew outside of just a racist mess. Like, you would have to only, like I said, only be making jokes that people could appreciate. If they could see themselves in it. Like, it's not a spectator sport. It's not like, oh, this is, look at these, these strange girls. So that everyone could come back to work on Monday and be like, did you know black women sew hair into their own head? Oh my goodness, Kathy. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's a fine line to walk. And I'm not like trying to hate on her because like a lot of people really like this book and I ain't wrote no book, so... Right, like we never make fun of the author. We just say what doesn't work in the mm-hmm. in the book. 
So, and again, I think, I think something's there and I feel like, I don't know, just some kind of tightening or maybe reframing or changing the pacing. It could have really mm-hmm. worked for me, but as Let me it ask was, you, you still grease your scalp. I, I don't use hair grease actually anymore. Yeah. I use, um, moisturizing like creams and conditioners mm-hmm. and things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what also, got me too. I was like, why are they greasing her scalp? Yeah. Just gonna clog your pores. We off that. <laughs> I do picture like that blue magic <laughs> jar, that blue magic. And I'm like, I haven't used that since the nineties. I have like, the last one I have is like some organic root stimulator, uh, the coconut hair grease, whatever. And the other day, I was like, ooh, my hair is dry. I should put that on. I was like, nah. Let me go. Let me go. Deep condition. I did buy some pink moisturizing lotion out of nostalgia once. That stuff doesn't do shit. It doesn't. It does nothing. Let me tell you. The four horsemen of a don't do shit (laughs) drugstore. Pink moisturizer. Uh, What is that? Um, Helen's. The cocoa butter. That has the brown top. And like the little cartoon drawing of the coconut mm-hmm. butter of the coconut. Or not coconut. You know what I mean. That don't do shit. It's like water. You're going to end it's up, like you still end water. up ashy five minutes later. And you know what? I'm going to put it on here. Fight, you know, fight your mom over it. Vaseline. <laughs> I, I like Vaseline, but you, sh- it just makes your legs greasy. So, it's I mean. It's just going to make you greasy. <laughs> just go on, get some lotion. You know. Get some lotion and put some baby oil over it. You're going to be shining. It's going to look great. But just straight up Vaseline, maybe on your lips, maybe. So this was the second book where there was also like interracial drama that just felt completely unnecessary. Like Owen was kind of an, well, like, cause it was, I was thinking back to such a fun age, maybe because Mm -hmm. it was also so, um, Not relevant. Recent. Mm-hmm. And then our confusion with While Justice Sleeps on whether <laughs> what was going on there. And then this one, it just sort of fed more into her black anxieties. And like, I, she, what did she say that made me like so, re- like I wanted to like throw the phone where she's like, she felt like she felt guilty for missing out on black love. I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, like, I remember that now. And it's like, what does that like if you're what in a relationship you and you're satisfied with your relationship are you saying you feel guilty for but you don't like I don't get it you don't act guilt you act fine yeah what like, is this because you can't put use a hashtag on Instagram Twitter yeah I don't I don't know and I've never in my life <laughs> she felt guilty for missing out on black love like guilty that's such a weird word it's such a loaded word can I so, tell you an aside Oh, sure. You want this edited out? No, I mean, you can keep it or whatever. Um, I got on a real um, uh, Instagram. Like, so I've been off Twitter, but I have been on Instagram. I know. You're good at it. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Most of the times, (laughs) I'm just just looking up ridiculous bullshit. Like, just hair videos, fight videos. Barber video. I real barber videos on Instagram are so soothing. They really I are. That those lineups, those that cool line. Mm-hmm. It's satisfying. Mm-hmm. And they be putting the little uh, fibers on. <laughs> it was scraping it out. I love it. I love it. Um, but I remember I was like scrolling through it in bed one night, 
and um, my husband and I were like, oh, we want to go to like a hotel and just pig out, get room service, like get sleep in, just watch the shows we can't watch, you know, like, you know, um, first trip after a baby, right? Mm-hmm. And so I saw this uh, picture, and it was like this man and woman, and they're sitting in bed, and they have like just a bunch of like takeout, like fried fish, <laughs> all this stuff. And it's like, I will never, I hate eating in bed. I do not like eating in bed, any of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it would be so nice to you know, like someone's going to come and change all the sheets and all that stuff, and I could just like pig out. And I was like, oh, we should do this. I showed it to him. I was like, we should just order a bunch of takeout since we can't even go into a restaurant anyway. And just eat it in bed and watch movies. It'll be great. And so he was, like, looking at it. And he was like, what is hashtag um, BWWM? <laughs> oh, oh, poor sweet, poor sweet summer child. <laughs> so I was like, what are you talking about? So I looked at it. I was like, oh, I think this is, like, one of those twirly twirly. It is. <laughs> Like, he was like, what? So he started, like, looking through <laughs> Oh, sweet summer child. And just his commentary on the swirl community. Because I think I've said it before, my husband is Latino, so he's like, um, he's like, I do not understand what's <laughs> It's, it's something, it's interesting. And Did I brought you... that up to say that a homegirl... She could use that hashtag. She doesn't have to use black love. <laughs> right? <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. She, like, I was like, I sat on that. I feel she felt guilty for not taking, like, it's a sport. She was like, like, she couldn't, like, she couldn't go, like, to the concert or whatever and show her, like, outfit or her shoes or her purse. Like, she missed the Telfar drop. She, um, <laughs> She didn't get to see Jill Scott rearrange her ball. Like she feels guilty. She couldn't go to that um what's that uh brunch place all the girls are getting kicked out of. Like it's like, girl, what do you mean by guilty? Come on. Like you have FOMO over black love, but you really don't want it. So what the hell is your point? Well, it should be interesting. It definitely is interesting that they're making a show out of this like there just seems to be like such a market for this well I'm not gonna say such a market because it's not like but it just it's unsurprising that they optioned it and it's gonna be on Hulu especially you know they're buying up everything but yeah I think that's a book we don't I don't recommend it I don't know if I was I mean going if you go into it I mean it's probably spoiled at this point honestly so I mean if you listen to what we said and it still sounds interesting to you Go for it. Um, I feel like if you've already, if you made it this far, you've already read it. Or you had no intention of reading it. So That's true. Yeah. So, so. I mean, feel free to disagree with this. Like, a lot of people liked it. Um, but yeah, if you have a different opinion or something inspired, I'd be interested to hear. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, I wouldn't not recommend it, but I just think it's, it's missing something. It's missing, like, that asmr white man doing a relaxer absurdity yes that absurdity that we see in real life yeah and like i think and that's and ultimately that's my issue with it the beginning is so 
straightforward and based in reality with the tensions, you know, black people mm-hmm. face in the real world. Mm-hmm. And the end is this absurd. It's the hair grease. We're cursing the hair grease mm-hmm. that you, if you're going to go that route, you need to drop hints of it maybe a little earlier, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, some social media thing, maybe something. Mm-hmm. And maybe they did. And I just didn't pick up on it or maybe it was too subtle. Uh, it's just, yeah, it was a, it was a two star for me. I didn't give it one, but I gave it mm-hmm. two stars. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's a that's a book read. That's a we've book got read. we've got plenty for the uh, Patreon. Just the the dive into ASMR. That yeah, you should probably put a lot of that on Patreon. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> Whew. Uh, what have you been reading, Molly? <laughs> I read um, How to Catch a Queen. Oh, I saw you. I saw you were on a beach with your nails Mm -hmm. matching your book. Mm -hmm. That was unintentional. (laughs) (laughs) I was at Walgreens and I saw it. I was like, I know her. So I got it. (laughs) Did you like it? I had a lot of thoughts. It's well written. (laughs) It like really kept my interest. I really liked the plot, but I had a lot of thoughts about that couple. It was very, very much read like someone, um, like, who took therapy seriously and wanted to depict it realistically. Like, what realistic outcomes would be if you were treating a mental illness brought on by the fact that uh, all the mother figures and women in your life disappeared after <laughs> Speaking of horror... Because he's like, I don't know where any of them went. <laughs> like, okay, but it had me mad, too. Like, the um, the girl, the heroine, like, finds a picture of her mother, of his mother. She's like, that's weird. And then she just sits, like... Mm. <laughs> sits on it, like, okay. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and then I also got, but I didn't... I only, like, read a few pages before we left um, Beverly Jenkins' Wild Rain because it was right next to... <laughs> I have that one. I haven't read it yet. So yeah, I read the first book in that series. I think it's the women who dare. Mm. So I think out of all the romance books that you've had me read, I still like um, uh, a chance at love best. I do love that one. Like I just, I just really enjoyed that book. So like everything kind of gets compared to that. So I'm like, <laughs> oh well, which I know is not fair, but um, so well, this will be this- the second Beverly Jenkins <laughs> book that I read. So it'll be. Interesting. It will. And with all the Stardew I've been playing, I always just think mm-hmm. about our video game it and how so much good. I really would. Um, so as I mentioned, I read the second book in that series, How to Find a Princess. It's like, um, mm-hmm. it's two, it's the inspector who appears in that book. So do you remember like the inspector who like finds her, like I think in a library? Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just remember them mm-hmm. being in a library. And um, she another was woman, yes, yeah, she really was, and it's like a queer Anastasia retelling. Um, it's that's the one I'm like. It's spent. The pacing is a little off. It wasn't my favorite. I think they don't really get to be a couple because the book sets up all this intrigue and all this mystery mm-hmm. about whether or not this girl is a princess. And then mm-hmm. when we finally, and then the inspector has to spend like forty percent of the book just trying to convince her to go to the country to get tested. That they never really like have a chance to like just sit and be a couple, mm. and then it kind of it's a lot. So, um, I mean, I've been like super duper into like 
like my YouTube obsession has been like uh, Queen Victoria, all her kids, all them. <laughs> all so <them>. that <laughs> that would be interesting to me. I hope it's not as violent as that, but uh, no, it's it's not. Okay. It's not really violent. In fact. I mean, I don't mean it as a negative, but it had all this potential for, like, some action and, like, some kind of conflict, and it doesn't really deliver. Um, I also read a Ruby Dixon. (laughs) I read Steph's (laughs) Outcast, and I think my summary was, two dummies fall in love, so good for them. (laughs) They're both both idiots. Um, It's fine. Um, I read Anxious... you know, that was my um, uh, unpopular (laughs) opinion that I love dumb kids. (laughs) <laughs> they're both kind of she, she, him more so than her because he's like an outcast but I'm like okay. my guy you live on a planet where everyone has been killed you're all outcast like he won't make a fire for himself because only elders are allowed to make fires and I'm like dude it's like dude you're on an ice planet like relax <laughs> and everyone else is dead you are an elder make a damn fire <laughs> Sorry, I got so distracted. I read Anxious People by Frederick Bachman. It was okay. It was very Bachman-y. And I read Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow, which really messed me up. <laughs> it's about, you know, Harvey Weinstein and how NBC, like, tried to cover the whole thing up. So, also, Matt Lauer is a pig. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. So, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, we are doing... You want to talk about that? Bye. Yeah, so, um, for the next couple of episodes i'll probably do a bonus too but um for our next bookish up i don't know <laughs> book up, discussion yeah coming up we'll see what you see it we're gonna have two collabs coming up um we, if you have been listening to us for a while you'll know that we usually do um uh urban lit or street lit in january and it's been kind of like an ongoing thing where we're kind of like neither of us outside of like books here and there um, growing up were like really authorities on it so we always said like oh like we wish we could like talk to somebody who's like really in it and really loves these books and really has a good understanding to like answer our questions and like just have fun and talk about one of these books with us so we got connected with this ratchet book club yeah <laughs> where he reads you know a lot of books that we have talked about like uh and we we got together with him. We're like, oh, we want to do a collab with you. And so he actually said the cartel. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit, we just did that one. Um, but I think he's actually reading and discussing the cartel now. So oh, we got to listen in. Yeah, we did the first one. Um, but they're like... I think they're like 15, 12. There's a lot of books in that series. Um, so if you want more of the story, check that out. So we're going to be doing that, um, I think, later this month or early September. Um, you'll see that one. And then it'll like, what I thought was going to be a total 180. I don't know if you've started it yet, but might not be. <laughs> We are going to read um, The Chinaberry Tree with um, Curtis from I Found This Great Podcast, who we often credit. Great book podcast. Great book. I Found This Great Book Podcast, who we often credit with um, launching our <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, but he's always been really cool. Like, I've listened to some of his. I've listened to both. They're both really cool. Um, both very different vibes from Black Chick Lit, so that's going to be a lot of fun. But um, when we got the book, like, I think we were both intimidated because it's like, ooh, this looks like this looks like serious literature and we haven't done that in a minute but like when you get in it it's a mess like it's a mess <laughs> from like the 1930s and i was like mm-hmm. they know this our brand <laughs> that's very on brand for us um so oh and i don't think i said the title the title so for um ratchet book club in um either august or early september it's going to be loving my wife and her sister too. Two is in the numeral, or two is in T O O. So T O O, and then there is a loving my wife and her sister too, and that's the second one. <laughs> and I think it's either two two or it's something like that. But I was like, I see what you did there, and I appreciate it. And then um, I think September is when we record China Berry Tree. Got it. I'm excited. Yes. yes. So, we do want to thank our Patreon sponsors. Oh, these are usually in alphabetical order. They're not this time. I'm so sorry. No- Noelia, Alyssa, Ruth, Andrea, Erica, YM, Whitney, Heather, Brittany, Martel, Jennifer, Therese, Catherine, Emily, Allie, Kat, Montera, Frank, Ellen, Sylvia, Brianna, and I found this great book podcast. Thank okay. you. For supporting Thank us. Thank you. For, like, for real. Like, it, it, it actually keeps the lights on. Yes. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, at Black Chick Lit. On Instagram, at BCL Podcast. And visit us at BlackChickLit.com. Um, if you have questions or comments, you can send them to contact at Black Chick Lit. That, uh, at Black. <laughs> it would help if I could, like, say the name of our show that we've had for like four fucking years yes. at this point. It would help. Contact at blackchicklit.com. I think that I'm still pulling up the house. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play because that helps people find you girls. It does. Like it's some kind of algorithm. I don't it know. is. Engagement. Engagement. And thank you. And thank you to Sweet45 for our theme, Jonesen. You can find them on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash sweet 45 s-u-i-t-e four five go give them a listen every time like we reach out for a collab or something people are like i love that theme song it's a good one thanks girl distinct (laughs) no one else got it it's distinctive Mm -hmm. okay i think that's an episode it is so until our next chat yep where we're gonna be talking loving my wife and her sister too until then bye stay cool (laughs) you stay frosty I don't know what that's from (laughs) cut it okay (laughs) you don't have to cut it you can leave it (laughs) bye maybe it sounds cool I don't know bye (laughs) bye